attention passengers. Today on Strangers on a Podcast, we have a 2021 Irish movie that makes you question reality. It contains an ailing grandmother, a mentally unstable mother, and a young teenage daughter just trying to hold it all together. Oh, and just a smidge of folklore thrown in for good measure. Join us, won't you? Hello, and welcome to the movie car here at Strangers on a Podcast. I'm the conductor, and with me is... I'm Grimweed. Welcome, Grimweed. We're called Strangers on a Podcast because we're two guys who don't know each other, and we're talking about movies to see how they bring people together. Are we going to drive each other nuts? Possibly. Are we going to curse and scream one another out? Are we going to stay on topic? Again. Possibly, hopefully. And today we are talking about the what, one... What was the last one? I didn't hear you. <laughs> Are we going to stay on topic? That's not going to happen. And today we are talking about the one and only... You Are Not My Mother. From 2021 by Kate Dolan. I don't know how popular this movie is. I don't know how many people have seen it. I saw it on Hulu. Where did you see, where did you see it, Grim? I saw it on Hulu as well. And you found this movie. You told me how uh, we ought to check it out. I thought, because it is Mother's Day, uh, why not have a movie about mothers? You Are Not My Mother stars Hazel Dope as Charlotte Delaney, uh, Carolyn Bracken as her mother Angela, Ingrid Craigie as Rita, Charlotte's grandmother, Paul Reed as Aaron Delaney, which is uh, Charlotte's uncle, and Angela's brother and Rita's son. Then there's Jordan Jones as Suzanne, a bully who comes around a bit. There's also Katie White as Kelly, Florence Adebambo as Amanda, a pair of bullies who don't come around. And well, I, I don't know if I'd, I'd go that far, but we'll get to that. And Jay Jordan as uh, Miss Devlin, the teacher to all the underage characters involved. And uh, I would like to uh, first... Bit of a trigger warning. This movie deals with some pretty triggering issues. Between mother and daughter. Uh, well, parenting issues, uh, mental health issues, um, there, there are some, some things that come up that could set some people off. If you had a traumatic upbringing with some parents who were not particularly stable, this movie may really light up some bad bells for you. Yeah. But yeah, so this movie is about a young girl dealing with the mental instability of her mother the questionable parenting or grandparenting of her grandmother, who I guess in a way is just doing her best. But for the most part of this movie, the, it is a young girl that's dealing with basically the mental health collapse of her family and having to be the one that tries to hold it together while also skipping a year in school and dealing with bullies at school because she doesn't fit in. So it, it's, about, it's an outsider trying to fit in while dealing with mental health issues at home. It's a story about Charlotte or Char or Char, as she's called in the picture, whose bipolar mother, Angela, goes missing after taking her to school one day. Angela's gone for a few days and shows up a changed person. No more crippling depression, no more overwhelmed exhaustion. Now she's wearing nice dresses and cooking food for the whole family. Uh, something seems a little off, though. 
uh, to Rita, the grandmother at first, then Charlotte as the story goes on. We, the viewer, get to see Angela, if it is Angela, exhibiting all manner of bizarre behavior that we're left to wonder if, there, if this is the woman spiraling into pure insanity or is something supernatural at play. Rita, the grandmother, makes luck tokens out of twigs and leaves for the family, so she's a wise woman with old knowledge. Something about Angela being back has her hackles up. And according to the neighborhood, the whole Delaney family is not quite right in the head. So what we're left to deal with as a viewer is Angela crazy, and her craziness is exacerbated by her mother's craziness, and Shara is caught in the middle, or is something else going on? As the viewer, we get to watch and decide. And it takes a long time before it sets any kind of record straight. This is a slow burn movie. That pays off. It pays off. If you're out there and, and you're like, oh, ugh, I hate slow burn movies. Well, this might not be the movie for you. If you do love slow burn movies, then here you go. Here's one that might not be as popular and well known as it ought to be. Yeah. And some slow burn movies you can kind of walk away from or come in late or just kind of have on as background until it gets good. Other slow burn movies, you have to take in all the information as it's given to you and try and find other information that's hidden. And then the ending kind of comes together. This is, I'd say it leans more towards that. Now in the lead up to watching this movie, I was warned by the good Mr. Grimweed that this is a triggering movie to many. I did not find it as such. I can see how it could be triggering, but it wasn't really for me. And maybe the warning immunized me. I, I don't know. Well, I, I gave you the warning because being somebody that has had family members with dementia and just mental health decline as well as having a lot of friends that had the same issue and watching what they had to deal with, I could very easily see this movie just tearing someone apart, especially just being the fact that it's a young girl that's got to try and hold all this together. It's not an adult that's, it's a, a person in their fifties or sixties dealing with someone in their eighties or nineties. It's a teenager dealing with like someone in their mid forties and and kind of not getting much help from the oldest generation either yeah now it starts with the stroller abandoned at the end of a street at night though only briefly a woman comes and takes the stroller into the woods at night so this is odd uh, baby should be home at night and you do hear um the, the woman that takes the stroller she's being yelled at by another woman yelling after like calling her back trying to get her to not go so you do hear some some kind of argument like whatever she's doing isn't something that is wanted the woman then sets the baby in a ring in the dark forest floor made of herbs and tinder then lights the ring on fire she then watches as the baby screams we see her face in the firelight watching intently we do not see a baby burn we do not see a baby burn but we cut to the modern day and we meet char a teenage girl that looks like a bit of acne not a thing wrong with her except her life is hell. She's late for school and needs a ride, but her grandmother can't take her because her foot is extra sore that day. But if we look close at the grandma's face, we quickly notice that she is the woman who was in the woods with that baby. Yeah, and they show her foot. I don't know what was wrong with her foot. It looked pretty nasty, but I don't know why her foot would have seized up. But again, I have no idea what was wrong with her. Char goes to get her mother out of bed, and we see Angela for the first time as a disheveled mess who seems barely cognizant, but then the 
the deep, dark depression she's in. She tiredly escapes her room to give her daughter a lift to school, but almost runs into a horse that's standing in the middle of the road. Wasn't that the puka? If a puka appears before you as a, as a black horse, and you are hypnotized by that black horse on your journey, then you will not be able to return home, because something is going to stop you. And as Angela is driving toward the black horse, she is very much hypnotized by it and almost runs right into it. Her daughter Shar has to grab the wheel and drag her off, drag the car off the road to avoid her hitting the horse. Now Shar walks the rest of the way to school. Angela says, I can't do this anymore. So Shar tells her to go home. It's not a beautiful and unstrained mother-daughter relationship. Yeah, and Shar had asked her mom to get groceries uh, on their way home because they had no food at the house. There was nothing there. They yeah. just, they, they, they needed need cereal, everything. they need milk, they need bread. Yeah. She, she said, oh, you know, bread, bread, cereal, milk, everything. We need everything that we need food in the house to eat. There's nothing there. Which gives you an idea a little bit about what kind of hell Angela must be living under to ignore certain basics of motherhood that to that extent. Um, but yeah, then there's the accident. Char asks Angela what's wrong with her and and goes to get out of the car and Angela just says, I can't do this anymore. Right. But there's no context. So it really is ominous. It's like, what is she going to do? What does she mean by that? And it's not a nice thing to say for what happens later. No. Now, Char gets to school and is bullied in her class by a girl named Suzanne. We get to see that Char is a gifted student, and she's got a drawing for an art project that's a blank person sitting in a ring of fire with flames flying up around them, drawn in what looks like pastel on black paper. Her teacher asks where she got the idea for that, and Char says she had a dream about it, maybe. Now, Char is on her way home and finds her mom's car abandoned. With the door open. With the door open. And groceries inside. So Angela's mom did try and go get groceries. Angela is nowhere to be found, so she goes home and tells her grandmother, her uncle Aaron, and the police arrive. The police say there's not much they can do, with it only being a few hours since she went missing, which, as far as I know, in the U.S., is total bullshit. In movies and TV shows, there's this trope that the police have to wait 24 hours before they can declare a person missing when they're missing. In reality, if someone's missing, they're missing right away, and cops tend to treat it like a possible abduction as soon as they find out about it. So don't ever think you have to wait 24 hours to report someone missing. By then, no, it might be too late. No, you don't have to wait, but at the same time, for an adult to be missing for just a couple hours uh, when you don't know if that's even where they were going to begin with, especially in, in a situation like this where, like the cop said, they were getting a bunch of calls because of it being Halloween, I could see how it would make it tough to really look for somebody. But yes, definitely still report it. Yes. But I mean, adults are kind of free to do what they want to an extent. So if they decide they want to walk away, they kind of can't. Yes, to an extent, but if a family is concerned that someone is missing when they shouldn't be missing, oh yeah, then that is, then by all rights, they should call the police. Oh yeah. I, I'm not saying don't help. report it. I'm just saying in defense of them not being able to do much, it's because people have just walked away at times and they make this huge deal out of it. And the person's like, no, I just was tired of being there. Oh, person walked away. That is such a lamest excuse. You know what? How many times have you watched a movie where the where 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 uh, uh some some 17 year old girl disappears and the cops just like kids leave? 
that's how it works. How many times like, have women... No, she didn't leave. She was killed by a serial killer, pal. And you, you're not looking for the serial killer, and that's why he's getting away with murder. You keep saying all the 17-year-olds are leaving. How many times have women been abused by their husbands or boyfriends or whatever and ran away to, to be in a safe place? That's and the husband situation. said, oh, no, they're missing, and were drugged back because the, the, the husband said that the woman was missing. Okay. And how many well, of them have been able to say, I just needed to get away... I think right there is a perfect example of why a person should be able to just walk away. That's a very good point I hadn't thought of. I was thinking of, you know, 17-year-olds getting serial killed. So I mean, yeah. there there's advantages and disadvantages either way you look at it, but there are definite reasons why somebody should be able to just walk away. There are. But at this point in the movie, Uncle Aaron and Grandma Rita and Char, the star of the movie, are a family in crisis with their mentally ill fourth member missing and possibly hurt. They don't have any recent pictures of Angela, so they do make do with or, so they make do with what they have and canvas the neighborhood. Well, there might be recent pictures, but Char didn't know because she's scared to go into her mom's room. Right. Char runs into Suzanne, Kelly, and Amanda, the bullies, in an alley, and they hassle her and almost burn her mom's picture until she snatches it back. And the one girl, Kelly, total, psycho, total psychopath pyro. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry for the spoiler, but that girl needed to be locked up. Yes. It, it, it's pretty bad with this girl. I, she she needs to get more than what she got. Either, no, either way, no sign of Angela. Uh, things are not looking happy for the Delaney's. And she's missing for a few days. And uh, we get some very moody, awesome shots of uh, the Irish village. skyline, as it were. Yeah. It looked like a nice little village. Uh, that was Dublin. Okay. It still looked like a nice little village. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wherever it was shot, it looked it like a nice northern, little village. It, look, it was shot in northern Dublin. Okay. okay. But did it not look like a nice little village? It looked like a nice little part of Dublin. I mean, it could have been on a back lot at Universal Studios. It still looked like a nice little village. I shot it in Dublin, in northern Dublin, where the housing developments were. Yeah, that looked like a nice little village. Well, things are not looking happy with the Delaney's, and then Angela just shows up. And in the middle of the night, wasn't it? She just uh, she kind of came in the middle of the night, and uh, Char woke up because she heard the the door flapping i believe so i don't know i'm terrible at this because I, one thing i've learned with uh my podcasting so far is that i have i have a really lame terrible memory because i watched this movie like twice an hour before i wrote what i needed to write for the podcast and i can't remember exact details i so, watched this movie twice today and then had to go and watch something else to get my head into a different place because yeah, well, this is yeah, a heavy one. Yeah, well, apparently. Um, and even then, trying to remember this specific scene, it seems like I remember that she heard a noise and went downstairs and the door was open and like the wind was blowing so it was causing the door to move and she walks around inside the house a bit and then turns and sees her mom sitting in another room. But I can't remember if, the, if that's that same instance or not. Either way, Angela just shows up her doctors give her some new meds and because she was on a lot of medications before uh, for the bipolar manic depressive disorder that she apparently had. Angela's mother, Char's grandmother, described Angela as having down days, which assumes she has up days. On down days, she is 
a complete zombie who has to lay in bed. Tends to imply to me that she's on a few medications for mental issues, like depression or bipolar disorder. But Or she's not medicated and I believe, having the issues. But I, either way, she's having issues. She is definitely having issues. But her doctors give her some new meds. Including Suddenly lithium. She, including lithium, which the pharmacy forgets, and Char has to go back to the pharmacy and get it. But she gets these new meds, and suddenly she's a bright, forceful, cheerful young lady who adores her daughter and cooks for her family. She dances with Char in the kitchen as she's cooking, uh, though what she cooks looks a bit odd. But apparently it smells good. Did it smell good? Everybody said it smells nice. Hmm. Now, uh, Rita, the grandmother, accidentally spills the pan of what she's was cooking. Was it accidentally? On no. I don't believe it was. Yeah, I I watched that specifically for, or not watched that specifically for that scene. I watched that scene specifically for this part because when I'd watched it before, I didn't really pay attention. It's like, did, did she just dump it? And the last time I watched it, when I got to that part, I yeah, paid close attention. Yeah, she just slams her hand down She on the just pan. sticks her arm out and shoves the, the whole pot onto the floor. Right. And then she's like, oh dear, I'm sorry. Yeah, and it's like a big pot, like a big stock pot of what looks like a thick pea soup. It's some sort of green porridge or something. Yeah, some kind of thick pea soup looking thing. And when it gets on the floor, Angela runs to it and tries to scoop it all back up into the pan or the pot. She doesn't seem to like normal food anymore. After the pot's been spilled, uh, Uncle Aaron walks in and he's like, well, it looks like it's a good thing I brought over some chips, which is what we, we would call fries over here in the the states and uh they share a large amount of, of fries yeah, for a lot a lot like he was intending that to be the meal yeah i i don't know if i could do that as a, a full meal it's one thing like maybe have an order like for lunch or something or like a, a snack type thing but for a full-on evening meal i don't know if i could do that well these are you don't get the impression that the delaney's are rolling in money true well the anyway, they share the, take what you can get yeah the family shares the chips or, or fries for dinner, but Angela only has like one or maybe two. Oh, yeah. She has a couple. When she finally does eat, she makes a point of just shoving a few in her mouth. And giving her mother, Rita, a very dirty look. Oh, yeah. And then that night, she shoves her whole, down, she shoves her whole hand down her throat so she can puke the fries up. Yeah, and by whole hand, it's like flat palm, straight down at least to the wrist. And and her daughter sees this. Maybe it was a trick of the eye or something. Either way, she freaks the fuck out. She locks her door and uh, no, runs back to bed. She doesn't lock her door. She closes her door. She closes her door, yeah. runs back to bed and pretends to be asleep. Because her mom comes in and opens the door and, at, and whispers to try and see if she's awake. awake. Yeah. Yeah. As luck would have it, Suzanne the bully apologizes to Char for her and her friends almost burning the picture earlier. She hadn't known at the time that Char was out looking for Angela. Suzanne's father has told his daughter that he doesn't want her hanging out with the Delaney girl. Now Suzanne wants to hang out with the Delaney girl. She wasn't told that until after this. Okay. She, she went to apologize and Char was ignoring her. Because Char was coming, uh, she was coming out of the pharmacy, and Suzanne saw her coming out and was try was calling after, her, trying to get her to stop. And Char was ignoring her, and she's like, "Call me a dickhead, punch me in the face, do whatever. I'm just trying to say sorry. I didn't know about your mom and blah blah blah." Char just tells says, tells her to leave her alone, I don't and she's care, like, "Just leave me alone." Yeah, 
And she, so she's like, fine, whatever. And walks across the street to her dad. And her, her dad, dad says, asks who is that, that is. And he said, is that Char Delaney? He says, I want you to stand away from them Delaney's. Yeah. Or something like that. And after that is when she decides she's going to be friends. Yeah. Because as soon as her dad says to stay away, then suddenly she wants to be friends. It turns out that Suzanne's mom died when she was little, and it's nice. It's good for them to be friends, and it's good for Suzanne to not be a total evil bitch. And she drowned. Unlike, unlike Kelly, who is a psychopath. Yeah, her mom drowned. Yes. But there are bonuses to the new Angela. There are? Uh, there are bonuses to the new Angela, yeah. Uh, at one point, Psycho Kelly is about to use a hairspray and lighter combo to burn Charlotte's face off. Yeah, I guess that is a bonus. I mean, she asks what that thing on Char's face is. It's, it turns out it's not acne. It's a birthmark thing on uh, Char's cheek. And Kelly says it looks like a burn. And I'm going to burn the rest of your face off to do what the well, she, Yeah, she says, finished. do you want another one? And then she decides she's going to give her another one right in the center of her face so she uh, sees it all the time. And she has a lighter and a bottle of hairspray, and she is rearing to go. She's got a smile on her face. She is gonna. She is gonna hurt Char, our main character. And there and is Angela, nobody stopping her. Nobody. And then Angela shows up and knocks the little pyro bitch on her ass. Rightly so. Yeah. And she tells Charlotte she has she has to not put up with being treated like that. She gives her a kind of pep talk, which is a, a nice thing for a mom to give a daughter. You know, at a vulnerable time when a girl's being bullied. Angela gives Charlotte this little pep talk, and then she walks right into a running river as if it was a wading pool, uh, despite it being the cold Irish autumn. Uh, Halloween is right around the corner, and people are carving pumpkins. But uh, things get weirder at the Delaney house. Uh, Uncle Aaron wants to fix the latch on the front door, and this causes Angela to fix him a cup of tea. Unfortunately, she's ground up many tablets of lithium and put them in the tea for him to drink. Uh, Char comes home, and Uncle Aaron is being carted off in an ambulance. And that night, Angela wants to dance again. Char doesn't Well, want this to. is, the ambulance has just left, like literally just left. You yes. watch them through the window drive away as Angela's, or as Char is watching them drive away. And she and turns as Angela's putting music on. Yeah, Angela's putting a record on the old record. Yeah, and Char just is like, do you think he's going to be okay? And her mom's putting on music and starting to dance. Char doesn't want to dance with her because she's worried about Uncle Aaron. So Angela dances by herself. In kind of a ritualistic type of way. In kind of a manic way. Yeah. insane kind of way she dances so hard she breaks her own ankle then she cries then she laughs then she cries well then it she goes laughs more and then she grabs char and tries to wrestle her into dancing all to the tune of an old record that she had put on charlotte finally has to run away from her mother on her hands and knees and lock herself in the room to get away from her and it's a hard scene to watch because it's not hard to imagine this as being perhaps something Charlotte has had to do before during one of her mother's manic episodes, or maybe this is the first time one has presented so intensely. Well, you can tell she was scared. I mean, this yeah. this whole event scared the crap out of her. This is when, like earlier, you thought she had locked the door. This is, I think, might be what you were thinking of when she skittered in a room real quick, shut the door behind her, and she shoved her feet up against it so her mom couldn't open it and ends up locking the door then. Yeah, it is uh, and a great performance from uh, Carolyn Bracken as Angela. Great performance from both of them. Yeah, a great performance from her just uh, really whipping this dance scene up into... It's, it's just insane to watch. And it, it fits the whole mythology thing, too. 
It does. Um, just the whole thought of like the creatures that they would make you dance till your feet would bleed. Mm-hmm. Grandma Rita suspects things. You think? She sets a little ball of ivy and twigs to smoldering and puts it under her son's Aaron's bed as she finds out he's suffering from a lithium overdose and puts the pieces together. Now, she'd given one of these little balls of uh, ivy and twigs to Char before, saying it was for protection. Char wants to have Suzanne over for dinner. Yeah, the, there was a nice little moment with Char and Suzanne when they were just sitting and talking and Suzanne tells her about her mom and her and her necklace. And then uh, Char asks Suzanne to go to go back to her house for dinner. And when they get back, Granny's not into it. No. It's, we're having a family dinner. You can't be here. You need to go home. They have important family business to talk about. And Suzanne leaves of her own accord. Well, uh, not really. Think... Well, sort of. But there's more to it than just her leaving. What happened that made her leave? I forget. Um, Suzanne's like, well, Char asked me to stay for dinner. And Rita kept, keeps insisting no. She ends up going into the kitchen to wait while her, while Rita and Char discuss it. And while in the kitchen, Suzanne sees a picture of Char and her mom on the refrigerator and is sitting at the table looking at this picture. And then you see a little drip of water and some hair and a mouth and this nice little necklace that matches the necklace that Suzanne's wearing as this person tells her she needs to get out so she freaks the fuck out and runs out of the house and that's why the whole like her mother her mother had drowned and suzanne's necklace was made to match the the necklace that her mother was buried in Mm. wow i didn't watch that scene i was too busy taking notes during the movie to watch that scene closely because wow i completely failed to take notes or watch the movie correctly there okay yeah, that I need to rewatch the movie now. Thank you. Well, when she goes into the kitchen, she first smells something, the food that's in the pot, and apparently it doesn't smell as nice as whatever it was the other night. Yes, that's what I, that was my memory. Is it didn't smell that. Very, it didn't and smell then she, very good. Yeah, and then she walks over to the refrigerator and sees the pictures, pulls one off the refrigerator, and as she's walking from the refrigerator to the table, you see a figure behind her in a doorway and then you see the drop of water and you see the necklace to indicate well that's that's her mom, her mom and she had drowned so that's why she's all wet after suzanne leaves rita explains how when charlotte was born she was taken by the fairies and how a changeling was left in charlotte's place she the grandmother and a wise old fairy doctor who knows the ways of the fair folk and of magic took the changeling to the woods and placed it in a ring of fire to get the real Charlotte back. When the real Charlotte was returned, the fire had burnt her cheek, and that's where she got the birthmark, in quotes, that we've seen on her face since her first appearance on camera. Now the fair folk have come back and taken Angela, leaving a changeling in her place, possibly with the goal of the changeling Angela taking Charlotte. But Charlotte, unfortunately, she doesn't know to believe this or not. Is Would this you? True? Is this true or has Grandma Rita just gone off the deep end? Is she living in a house with two crazy people or what is going on? She saw her mother shove her whole hand down her own throat, or at least that's what it looked like, and her mom danced like a maniac the other night, and her mom saved her from a bully who was going to burn her face off. Is that just her mom being her unpredictable self or what's going on? She doesn't know. But it turns out that Angela is tied up exorcist style in the upstairs room and Rita wants Charlotte to help get the bound Angela near the 
near a fire so that the changeling will reveal itself and they can get the real Angela back. And that is too much reality at once for Charlotte. And she locks Rita out of the room and unties her mentally ill mother dutifully. Then she gets a peek at her mother's reflection and regrets it. In the mirror, Angela's face is twisted up in a kind of black-toothed demonic leer. Angela emerges from the bedroom and confronts Rita and... She tells Charlotte to go to bed. And, yeah, she uh, had I had a she, dream she, that woke her up before of her mother with like her eyes. It almost looked like her eyes and mouth were all, or at least her eyes were sewn shut. And her mother looked like uh, she did in the dream when she looked yeah. in the mirror. And she stopped untying her mother, I believe. She actually, she didn't untie her all the way. She untied one wrist, saw her mother in the mirror. Yeah, she untied her wrist and pulled out the gag. And her mom kind of came to and looked in the mirror. And when her mom looked in the mirror, she turned and looked and saw that and rightfully freaked out. Yeah. And then, unfortunately, it was too late and her mother untied herself the rest of the way. Yeah, but at least now she knows something's not right rather than just them all being kind of touched in the head she knows there's something more going on and she needs to probably pay more attention to granny than she has been but it might be too late for that because angela emerges from the bedroom and tells charlotte to go to bed and when she wakes up Graham rita is dead in the living room and her mother angela is coughing up something alien looking and what was that yeah thing? i was gonna ask if you knew what that was it looked like a tooth or some kind. Well, it, it was it, awfully long. So if it was a yeah. tooth, it had to have been a non-human, like tooth. a almost like a like a dog's canine. Yeah, or something. There was it was definitely long. I thought maybe she had just coughed up one of the fries that they had ate. No, I think she puked all those up the night up. I mean, it, it looked like because it wasn't like a McDonald's French fry type that yeah. style chip. It was like the big. Thick. Yeah, big, thick steak fry yeah, kind of potato. Exactly. So the the big steak fry type. So that's that, kind of that, what was making me, it was about that size. It looked like a piece of one of those. So yeah, it could have been like was, a piece of a finger or something. I don't know. Looked more white to me. I don't know um, what it was. But size wise, really that's the low. size we're dealing with. Yeah. Yeah. She coughs up something weird. Yeah. Either a really long tooth, a finger, or a piece of a fry that she ate a couple nights ago. Oh yeah. And also a bunch of blood with it. And a bunch of, oh yeah. Yeah. When she coughed up the thing, it was bloody. Yeah. And that's when Suzanne shows up. Charlotte hides from her changed mother at Suzanne's place and they make a plan to get Angela near a bonfire like Rita wanted. Now Angela starts to tear her hair out and she's still limping from when she went nuts dancing and the changeling's disguise is starting to slip. She goes out on Halloween night to stalk the streets as a macabre specter among the revelers looking for Charlotte. Well, she was on her way to Suzanne's house. Yeah, but Char reveals herself and a chase ensues. Now, Charlotte gets to a bonfire that's still unlit, but now Katie and Amanda and some goons are there. Is it a bonfire if it's not lit? It's an unlit bonfire. Is it a just a tinder pile? Based on how much on how much work they put into it, I'm calling it an unlit bonfire. This okay. thing looked like a wooden teepee or something. Oh, yeah, it was or just a, 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 a pyramid of pallets. It was a pyramid of... That's going to be fun to edit. Pyramid of pallets. It, it was uh, it was this insane thing that looked like it had been engineered to burn as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, and they had, they had made it by scrounging pallets from the backs of warehouses for who knows how long. Based on what I've seen in this movie alone, I can say that... I, I feel like I can say when they make a bonfire over in Ireland, they take it very seriously. They do not just go to the gas station and buy some wood to throw in a pile... And throw lighter fluid on the fire. No, oh, no. no. 
No, they find a lot of wood to burn. Very it wasn't high. as it wasn't like the it wasn't the Candyman bonfire. No, um, that that was longer. It this wasn't is, was, the bonfire like from Sherlock that they put Watson in. It wasn't quite that big. I haven't seen that episode, but thank you. But it, it was it was a de- pretty decent sized pile of wood. It was. Katie has the goons. Katie the pyro, by the way. Has Kelly. The goons. Is it Kelly or Katie? I thought it was Kelly. It might be Kelly. I've been calling her Katie all this darn bon- all this darn. Yeah, she, um, Char leads her her mom to the pile of wood where she's supposed to meet Suzanne and Suzanne's not there. No, now it's uh, Kelly. It's the goon squad. Kelly, Amanda, and a couple guys that never get names. Yeah, and they grab Charlotte and they throw her under the bonfire. Yeah, they put her inside the stack. They put her inside of it and pyro bitch Kelly is talking about how she's going to burn Charlotte up inside that thing. Never once do you think she's not going to. Never once. No, the goons are throwing lighter fluid all over it, and uh, Kelly or Katie is flicking that lighter like there's no tomorrow. Finally, her friend Amanda has to step in and say, No. You're not really going to do this. Amanda's been trying to get her to stop. The only thing that got her to stop was the appearance of Angela. Yeah. No, the, her friend Amanda is trying to tell her to stop. The only reason she didn't light it up was because she couldn't get the lighter to work. Right. And then all of a sudden, Angela appears on the outskirts of where this bonfire is laid and scares the hell out of the goon squad. In some very fucked up condition. In a very, yes, she's torn most of her hair out and she has grown calls over her eye over her eyeballs where she doesn't look like she can see anything yeah it looks like her eyes are sewn shut she looks messed up yeah her mouth's fucked up it looks like her eyes are sewn shut and she's got no hair and she's got no hair so what does she do well now charlotte is cornered inside the bonfire and here comes her mother or is it her mother angela by this point i think we've pretty much figured out this is not her mother no I mean, uh, some movies would have made it a lot more ambiguous. This one does not. At, at this point, we're pretty sure what it, oh, I don't know what the hell that is, but it's not human. And it was all done practically. All practical. That was effects. all practical. Yep. So all you horror nerds out there can't complain that they used CGI to ruin the movie. Yeah, I think they only used CGI in like two places, and one of them was the hand down the throat. Changeling Angela stalks up on the unlit bonfire and finds her way into it and proceeds to hug and coax and... Yeah, she sweet talks Char a bit. Sweet talk her daughter, Charlotte, into saying... She's saying things like, you have no family left here. You have nothing left here. Why don't you just come with me? I can show you a place where there's no pain. Well, well she's, she's also talking about um, your mom would like to see you again. Wouldn't you like to see your mom? Mm-hmm. And like, gonna take her to her mom. You're gonna take her to the land of fairy where who knows what could go on. Now, the question is, do you think it... It was working, or do you think that was a ploy? Do you think Char was getting suckered into it? I think at the moment she was kind of hopeless. At the moment she She was definitely helpless once she gave her a hug. Yeah, so I mean, I I think maybe Charlotte was a little bit enamored with the idea of giving up, but that changed when Suzanne made her heroic reappearance with the uh, with the hairspray flamethrower that so you think Char just finally gave in and Suzanne snapped her out of it maybe fair yeah. enough that's kind of kind of where I was leaning hmm. but anyway 
Um, yeah, so she throws a hairspray in, and yeah, and uh, this makes Angela change back to normal. Yeah, she she pushes the fake Charlotte away. She points the flamethrower at her. It's not a real flamethrower. It's hairspray. With she pushes lighter. the fake Angela away. She pushes the fake Angela away, and fake Angela turns back into regular Angela. Yeah. She says, "Oh, Charlotte, you can't hurt me. I'm your mother. You couldn't hurt your mother, would could you?" You are not my mother. Angela looks her dead in the eye and says, You are not my mother. Blasts her with the flamethrower and sets her on fire. Fake Angela starts crawling on the walls, setting them on fire, and Charlotte escapes just in time. As she lays there with Suzanne just kind of holding her as she watches, not her mom, but her as she watches her mom burn. Yeah, and uh, there's a visual callback at the end of the as the as the flames rise up the camera rises up into the air to watch the embers just as it did when the fire was burning around the baby at the very beginning of the movie but it doesn't end there so don't worry it doesn't worry. get in there we get to see Aaron uncle Aaron out of the hospital and he's having the cops explain to him that his mother is dead and his sister is missing child and family services are going to be called they didn't find anything in the bonfire where Angela was last seen so no corpse uh, but then who should knock on the door Angela Angela herself knocks on the door and comes into the house and she's a little worse for wear she looks like she's been sleeping under a bush for the past week or so but she's there and she's her normal depressed sad self is she well, she looked like it to me. She she looked kind of confused and like where what's going on? Where have I been? Where am I? That that kind of confusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of the whole mythology behind the different creatures and everything, that confusion would make sense for her at the moment of just coming out of it. Indeed, it would. Either way, she's back. So the family isn't as torn apart as the cops had said it was. Now it's just the grandmother is gone, which is sad, but Angela's still alive, Aaron's still alive, Charlotte's still alive. And they're not staying in the house that Grandma died in. They are not staying there. The ladies are pulling up stakes and moving. Yes. And Charlotte is making balls of ivy and twigs like her grandmother did for protection. And they did leave a few kind of ambiguous things. I don't know if they were that ambiguous. Uh, Well, okay, what's Angela's story? Is she better now, or is she still fucked up? With this movie being so much about mental health and everything, and like bipolar, dementia, all those things, there's ups and downs. There's times when there's very lucid, and then there's not. That's the thing I was going to say, is we don't really... We didn't see enough of Angela's cycles of stability and instability to know if what we're seeing where Angela looks she she looks better at the end of the movie yeah. when they're moving but we don't know enough about I, I don't think we got enough information about her from the movie itself to know if she's better or if she's just feeling better right yeah then. exactly we can't really say but we do know they're getting a new start somewhere else which I guess is better if you start somewhere where people don't just go missing as evidenced by the missing posters all over the nice little village. Yeah, that would be good. So there's a lot to unpack in this movie. Oh yeah. There there there's a lot to unpack. To me, watching the movie, I would like to start with Rita, the grandmother. Now, Rita is the no nonsense. This is what we do. This is how I know how to deal with this. Do as I say and we'll be it through this. Now she's came she struck me as a woman with old knowledge 
of knowledge that has been passed down from generation to generation in villages, in towns all across Ireland as to what to be afraid of and how to deal with those things when they show up. She makes these balls of twigs and ivy that apparently was based on Irish folk remedies and Wicca. And she has these things to deal with the fae when they show up. Angela isn't really in the movie that much because Angela fell apart a long time ago. And Charlotte is the girl who is just trying to put all the pieces together and survive. And Charlotte to me represents, for anyone out there who watches Rick and Morty, she represents to me something Summer on Rick and Morty said uh, in a, one of the episodes of the show. Summer's mother uh, says to Summer, it's like, yes, honey, I was traumatized. That happens. It, unfortunately, your generation is never going to know what that's like. And Summer says, bitch, we get traumatized for breakfast. That is, uh, that is Charlotte's generation. That is the generation that is growing up now. But anyway, with the three generations of Irish women present on the screen, we're presented with a, a rich story with rich characters who deal with this problem in different ways. Thoughts, Grimweed? Um, well, I was just, just thinking about, um, uh, other than the scene with the grandmother at the hospital, is there a scene without Char in it? I am not sure. I think I know she's. Oh no! There's the when when Suzanne's in the in the kitchen. There you go. But I I think for the most part every scene has Char in it, and it seems to be a recurring thing because May we only had one or two quick glimpses of anything that wasn't around May. Bubba Hotep we only had I think the one instance with Ella Joyce outside, but it's becoming a recurring thing that. We f we pretty much follow one character throughout the entire thing with very little outside stories. I mean, Fifth Element was all over the place. Yeah. No, uh, Hazel Dope as uh, Charlotte Delaney. She is in most of the movie, and she carries the picture on her shoulders, and she does a fine job of it. Yes, she does a brilliant job. A young actress who uh, hopefully will get much more work as her career blossoms. No, we like movies with uh, interesting protagonists who carry their films. Uh, Grim, that's, uh, I, I'm a huge fan of May. You're a huge fan of May as well. And this movie uh, we chose as a kind of uh, continuation of themes explored in May, outsider and uh, loneliness. Yeah, there, there's definitely an outsider aspect and, and there's a mental health aspect to it, and just like there's a mental health aspect to May. Oh, very much. And it's about motherhood for Mother's Day. Uh -huh. Happy Mother's Day out there, everybody. I Isn't this a great Mother's, Mother's Day. Day movie? It certainly is. <laughs> we were going to go with Carrie, but we no, we picked this instead. Yeah, I mean, Carrie, Psycho. Friday um, the 13th, part one. Yeah. We could have gone with those. There, There's so many we could have dealt with that. It just seemed like we needed to do something a little different, and we've done a lot of older things. We need we needed to get a little get bit more recent. Get something new in here, yeah. And this is pretty. This is the newest movie we've done uh, so far. Yeah. What I mean, did you is, think of it? Just uh, well, overall, the slow, the slow burn was a little bit uh, slow for me. Um, and I, to be honest, I was expecting it to be a little more ambiguous as far as uh, is she a changeling, is she not a changeling? But she shoves her hand down her own throat pretty early on in the film, and it doesn't really. After that, you, the viewer, are pretty much convinced. At least yeah, I was. So I at mean, that it, point, it does make it pretty obvious there's something more going on. Yeah, 
at that point, I, you have to wonder, maybe she was fine with having a changeling mother. Maybe she was, like, that's why she started to untire, because it's like, at least this, maybe this mom will stick up for me, or something. But the changeling Angela did knock down the bully who was going to burn her. Yeah, I mean, up until after she untied her, the only thing that she had, the only evidence she had that there was something weird was the hand down the throat. And then it was late at night in the dark. She had kind of just woke up. Did she really just see what she thinks she saw? Possibly, yeah. Like like I said, it might have been a trick of the eye. And there was a lot of trauma anyway, just from the years that she's had growing up. Because if I remember right, um, her mom... I think because they they said something about the mom was a young mom. But if I remember right, she was supposed to have been about the same age as Char in this movie when she had her. Hmm. So she was still like a teenager. So she was just, she was twice as old as Char is. And Irish women did not get pleasant treatment for being unwed mothers. Especially in nice little villages. (laughs) So it would not have been an easy life Angela was forced to live. No. When I watched this, like I said, just because of the family history and everything, yeah, it did hit a little closer than it did for you, apparently. But it yeah. took me a while just because when I watched it, I just kind of had to sit there and in silence and just kind of take in what I just watched. Hmm. I Luckily, I was alone because if I wasn't, then it would have been awkward trying to figure out what to say because I couldn't think of anything to say. I think the emotional fever pitch of the movie is the scene where Angela changeling Angela tries to make Char dance with her. And I think that does go back to the, to the stories you have about Faye who will dance till their feet bleed. Yeah. Uh, And that sprain, that's a painful sprain. I've done that. That is a painful sprain. And she just sort of laughed while it happened. Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot of just going back and forth between the happy moments and the flashbacks and then just the horrible moments either right before or right after. Uh, but just that back and forth like that. Yeah. It, for somebody that's had to deal with people like that, uh, that's not the right way to put it. Um, someone that has experience with people that have those kinds of issues. I could easily see people really being triggered by this. I wasn't 100% sure because I tried to avoid any real descriptions of the movie when I was looking for something for the Mother's Day episode. I just saw something about motherhood and folklore and it's like, okay, what about this? Um, And then saw that it fit some of our other little theme requirements that we we had from May. Mm. It's like, yeah, okay, that'll work. And then I watched it, and since I hadn't really looked at anything as far as reviews or description, I had to have somebody else watch it to see, did I just imagine that? Hmm. Because I didn't want this to be, okay, that's what what I think it is. Now let's sit here and record, and I'm telling you, yeah, this is what's going on. And you're like, I've read every description I could find. I found interviews with directors. I watched the movie and I got none of that shit that you're saying. What the hell movie did you watch? So I had somebody watch it to verify, but who I was, who I could have watch it to verify their experience is a little bit more on that bipolar side where they would get more violent. So before even saying anything to them, I had to really think, is this going to trigger them? Do I even say something to, it took me five hours just to get up the nerve 
to say, can you watch this and tell me what message you get from it? And I couldn't give them any advance warning because I didn't want to taint their impression of it in any way. So I was sending someone in blind knowing it could very easily trigger them. How macabre of you, Grim. My gosh. You could have, that person, you could have ruined their day. Oh yeah. They texted me a couple of times talking about how much they hate me. Oh, did they? And they had to, they had to watch this movie in chunks. They couldn't just sit through it. Uh, well, it was nice of them to suffer through it for you to help you out. Yeah. It's nice to have friends that you know, you can torture and they'll come back for more. (laughs) That's a horrible thing to say. It it is a very horrible thing to say. And, um, if they're listening to this, they know exactly what I mean. Hmm. On the other hand, do you think it kind of, uh, do you think the movie, by having Angela in her most uh, psychotic state actually be not Angela, but be portrayed by a, in a way it's Angela being portrayed by a, a supernatural character, does that in any way you think lessen the blow of the fact that this is supposed to be manic depressive disorder put on screen? Or is it just really just uh, all the, I think it's all the same? I think it's a way that just like, movies have for years and horror movies especially have been a commentary on society Mm -hmm. and there's so many ways where zombies or vampires or whatever is a commentary on something completely different than anything that that you would associate with zombies or vampires Mm -hmm. and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're saying no don't take it the same way because it's a zombie or a vampire i think it's just a way to kind of take you out of reality for a moment while still letting you experience that same emotion so in a way i could i could say maybe like a therapeutic type you can experience the emotion outside of it being reality it's a cathartic version for you to yeah i i could see how it could be like that like uh, if this were a John Cassavetes movie or something, then that would have then that would have been a stark naked portrayal of of manic depression uh, for all to see, you know, and for everyone to dig their fingers into and digest however they have to. But because this was a horror movie, they at least were able to put it behind this slim shield of well, this is a fantasy version of these circumstances. Yeah, it and it's not. It's not done in a way like exploitative or anything like that. It's done in a serious manner. I mean, everything is done. There's not any humor in this movie. Yeah. That's, you're not going to be laughing very often. I think it's also an interesting way. If you think about history and just the way things have been explained away, the myths that have been created by natural things that at the time nobody knew about. And it just makes you wonder if maybe some of those mythological creatures like the changelings or whatever, maybe somebody did have like a head injury or something and came home and was different. Or they had some kind of like a dementia or something like that or bipolar. And that like is something like that. Could that be the origins for some of that stuff? It very well could be. Of course, we'll never know because we can't go back in time and diagnose anyone. But uh, who knows how long bipolar disorder and manic depressive have been around uh, haunting the mental states of human beings. Yeah, they've definitely been around much longer than the actual diagnosis of it has has been. But anyway. I don't really know what else to say about the movie, to be honest. I mean, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's heavy. It's a heavy little can of worms. Yeah. Uh, and there is humor in it. It's just... 
it's it's a few it, the jokes are few and far between and they're a little dark yeah um you do see char smile a few times so that's yeah. nice it's not yeah, she, all gloom for her but even those those times it's kind of fleeting mm-hmm. and that is one of the joys of folklore is that that you can just pull so many great stories out of it and uh they pulled a great story out of out of folklore with this movie and uh i i it's good to see that uh folklore of different kinds is coming back like uh with slavic folklore we have the troll hunter movies and the other one that came out a few i think in 20 it might have been last year it was just called troll well this movie is um by every rating I've seen, this movie's up there with Babadook. There you go. Which, another folklore. Another folklore movie. Uh, folklore is ripe territory for uh, horror films. I mean, if it weren't for folklore, we wouldn't have had vampires or werewolves. And it's it's high time that people started digging deeper into the old stories to find... Uh, yeah, and again, vampires, werewolves, both things that are easily explained by nature that they didn't know anything about at the time. What, you mean like vampires having porphyria or something? Well, how like they would go and like they'd look at the bodies and see like the, the blood around the mouths and okay, and all yeah. that and all that stuff. Just so the all the different things that, because the skin's pulled away. Yeah. So mm-hmm. just the, the different things that they didn't know anything about. So they explained it away as one thing. As vampires. So again, it just makes me think if mental issues weren't the explanation for some of these other things. Fun fact about vampires out there, everybody. and They're not real. Yeah, they're not real. Yeah. So yeah, this movie, um, it, it is. It's really hard to talk about. It is. I, I think the topics it covers are topics that should be talked about. But the movie itself, because of that, it is, it, it's, it's a heavy movie and it's hard to talk about. It's a very dark portrayal of mental instability in the home and how it fractures the home. Dealing with a, a family member who has severe mental illness is not something to be joked about. No. Uh, it can tear families apart. It can tear lives apart. And uh, it can take years to put anything back together resembling normalcy, if there ever is a chance of normalcy. I think especially at that age, it, it's a huge issue. And in a small town like that, or an, a nice little village. Northern Dublin. In a little small place like that, I could see how it would be even rougher because just the stigma behind mental illnesses already and like every time the teacher would try to talk to, to Char, it was like, yo, no, everything's fine. Yeah. And just the stigma behind everything made it to where she didn't feel like she could talk about it, which if you have something going on like that, talk about it. If you can. Find, find somebody you can talk to and talk about it. Um, but yes, like, uh, like Grim said, talk about it. If you need to find somebody who'll listen. Yeah. I mean, if like you're in school and a a teacher shows concern and and is asking if everything's okay, if things aren't okay, don't be scared to say they're not okay. And on that happy note. (laughs) I can ruin movies. I can ruin TV shows and I can bring the mood down, can't I? The movie does that. It's not, it's, it's not a happy movie. It's not a fun, no. but, uh, it's, it's not a movie you watch for, uh, the sheer fun of it, but, um, it is a interesting movie that, uh, is worth watching for the yeah, experience I, of it. I mentioned, um, when I had, when I had my friend watches, I mentioned, I'm thinking we might do that for mother's day. And she's like, well, I, I guess it fits mother's day in the sense that there's a mom in it, but that's not a mother's Carrie. day movie. 
No, it's not. Um, well, it kind of is. I mean, there's a mother-daughter reunion. Th- this is this is a trigger movie. Yeah, to which I am immune. Except well, no, I did I did watch Hereditary, and that freaked me out. I wouldn't say immune. I would say not exposed. Sure. You, you've not you've not been exposed to that yet. The horror is on its way. But, uh, Hopefully, on that she's a nice note. one. What? Oh, you said horror, huh? I thought you I said, said the, the horror. horror. <laughs> Forgot. Get your mind out of the gutter, Graham. <laughs> I, I'm trying to think of something else other than this movie. It, there are it, many it things just brings that, everything down. There are many things I will do for a good time, but that is not one of them, sir. Let's just be very clear about that. What would you change about the movie? Oh, man. I would have made it a little more ambiguous. I don't know if I would necessarily say make it more ambiguous, but I think the hand down the throat, I can understand the reason behind it, but I don't think I would have made it to where it was as visible. Mm. So you could still see she's making herself throw up, but it you can't see how far in she's putting her hand to where there's still some kind of ambiguity in that. Either way, this was, by the way, for a first feature by a filmmaker... This was amazing, by the way. Yes, I, I would just like to say that. This was a phenomenal movie. For the fir- especially for a first feature. It's really a startlingly well done movie. And yeah. uh, it was made on a pretty slim budget from what I can tell. Yeah, I don't remember exactly what the budget was, but I remember it being low. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this, this, was, this, this was way more than what I expected. If you like May, check this one out. Um, yeah, I don't necessarily know if if there's anything I would really change other than in other than that one thing. All he would change is that he wouldn't have watched it because well, it's, no, it's I, I'm not. I don't him. regret watching it, and this is this is one of those movies that it is really hard to watch if that kind of stuff sets you off. Um, but I have found that the more I've watched it, the easier it is to deal with and the more i get out of the the individual scenes because it's almost like i'm desensitizing myself enough to it to where i can pick up on a lot of the other stuff Mm -hmm. so it's a heavy movie that you actually aren't afraid to re-watch it's got layers going on here people yes there's there's much onion aspect to it and if you got hulu you ought to just check it out and see what you think and then Maybe you could comment on one of our podcasts and tell us, you know, yeah, you guys are idiots know. for, you know, you guys are idiots. I mean, this movie was so, so awesome and you guys didn't do it a bit of justice. And we'll be like, we're sorry. We're so sorry. I, I thought we were praising it, but. I thought we were too, but I don't know. Um, right, no. And let us know what your, uh, what your favorite scene is. Yeah. But there, uh, there's quite a few good scenes. But the train is coming to a stop. And it's time to say goodbye here in the movie car. We hope everyone out there in podcast land was able to get a little bit of new appreciation for the movie we talked about just now. Or maybe uh, you, you are just not learned my about mother. the movie. You are not my mother, as it was called. Thanks to everyone who listened and downloaded. Thank you very much to uh, Kate Dolan for making the movie. She spent years ushering this to the screen. And uh, there's no way it could have happened without her. That's for sure. Uh, uh thanks to everyone who listened and downloaded we love all of you and don't thanks forget to our, like subscribe hearts thumbs I up about stars to say, thanks to our um, mutual friend and please like subscribe comment and tell your friends all about us yeah in the you, comments let us know what your favorite scene of the of the movie is 
Mm -hmm. And be good to each other out there. We're all stuck together in this crazy train, and we're all we have in here. And we don't don't forget in a, in the description. There's like always the, there be some some links. This one will probably only be a link probably to this movie on Hulu. Um, but also there's email and Twitter and and all that in there. If you have any suggestions for movies for us, or just want to say. Hi. We're desperate people. Just say something. We can't. We're we're talking. Let us know you exist. Here. Yeah, uh, we're all alone in the in these little recording rooms. All we yeah. have is each other over the internet. We need we need some friends. We don't want to be isolated and and become like May or Char. <laughs> Bye for now, folks. Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs>